We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome in. It is a new edition of the State of Recruiting. I'm your host, John Garcia Jr. Catch me all the time right here on College Football Nation and, of course, day-to-day at SI.com. I'm the director of football recruiting for that fine publication. And I was, you know, I I woke up on this great Friday. Uh, Weather was nice here in South Florida. I always check the calendar, right? What date is it? Because look, in the world of college football recruiting, you're working every day. You're tracking things every day. It's more about the day of the week than the date that you're uh, navigating through. And then I saw November 18th. We are almost to the early signing period on Monday, the 21st. We will be one month from the day that all this dust will settle. All this speculation will end the beginning of the early signing period. So I got to thinking, okay, there's a lot to talk about. Surprise visitors last weekend, another big visit weekend upcoming. But how's it going to shake out? Who is going to trend forward? Who is going to close? Because we talk about recruiting all year long and the ebbs and flows of momentum, right? A lot of schools ride the on-field product for momentum. A lot of schools ride the off-season for momentum, right? Changes, upgrades, the weather for, for those folks listening up north. Whatever it is, some folks have momentum at different times of year. But none of that matters as we get closer to December 21st because now Penn will meet paper and it will be National Signing Day, the early National Signing Period where, again, 75, 80-plus percent of recruits will officially end the process. Whether you're committed, uncommitted, on radar, off radar at this time, that is the day where things will start to to get clear for you as a recruit and certainly for us in how we view this college football recruiting class of 2023. In examining some of those items, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So as we get ready for this dismount, the end of the recruiting cycle, you start to wonder who is going to trend up. Who will close the best? Because in reality, that's what recruiting is all about, right? It's the closers. You know, uh, coffee is for closers. ABC, always be closing. Whatever little metaphor acronym we want to use here, the closers are the coaches and the programs who win, right? Uh, I'm not going to go on a, a rant on Stars Matter and how much talent is important relative to college football success. I think if I have to explain that by now, you're, you're either brand new to the sport or this country, and welcome if you are. That's great. Or are you just not paying attention? Because uh, the best teams in college football are typically among the most talented. It's not a one-to-one ratio of, hey, the most talented is going to win every single year. But it's in the ballpark, right? Georgia was pretty talented last year. Bama the year, I mean, pretty talented. LSU in 19, pretty darn talented, right? And a lot of that goes back to how coveted the recruits were coming out of high school for the most part, right? There's always some some changes, ebbs and flows in that regard. But in bulk, the most talented teams are the most winning teams on Saturdays. So as we look forward to the future of the sport, talent acquisition is the, the basis of recruiting. So who is going to close? Who is going to roll down the stretch here and add premium talent before all is said and done? And this list is big, right? I, I think – you can conceivably look at at the top 10 in the Sports Illustrated rankings, which will be updated in two weeks, by the way. You can look at at those schools and, and, and kind of say, okay, Alabama's going to add two or three guys. Georgia could add maybe four or five guys, Notre Dame, LSU. Whatever the, the ranking order is in that regard, Texas certainly is in position as well. It's about the splashes. Right. For us, in terms of what we're talking about, what we're tracking the most, it's about the splashes, the biggest names, the surprises, twists and turns that fall positively for program X, Y and Z. So we're going to identify three programs that we feel like are on the cusp, on the verge of closing very, very well. 
Again, this isn't saying these are the only three programs. We're not saying these are the three programs that are going to have the most volume uh, by any stretch. But in terms of splash, satisfying needs, star power, premium positions, and position groups, all the stuff we use to rank the top recruiting classes, that is where we're, we're focused from an energy perspective today. So there's three programs we feel like th they're going to really fall forward in a strong way over the next couple of weeks. Again, not excluding the rest of them where, again, we expect volume. Bama's going to add a few. I mean, Georgia maybe should be on this list. I, I just heard uh, Mateo Uyangalale, SI-99 pass rusher, is now pursuing a potential Georgia visit late in the process. Uh, that's a school to keep an eye on. LSU is going to capitalize on this on-field product we've seen in 2022. I think Texas has an opportunity to hold off other schools from flipping their recruits and add some big-time players down the stretch, Juice Robinson, Jacoby Lane, certainly Anthony Hill uh, among those uh, that are very high on the Longhorns while uh, considering other schools. Uh, I think Ohio State is going to find a running back. They just lost Mark Fletcher, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, they're going to be okay down the stretch. I think Miami is going to keep some kids home uh, to fish, finish out this, this potential top-10 class in Coral Gables. Uh, Clemson's still hunting, Tennessee, et cetera. These great schools are still – on, on the board, and they're going to add to their verbal commitment list and eventual list of signings. But three schools in particular, and if you follow closely, you can kind of figure out which three, because I, I omitted them in that example on purpose. I think three schools have an opportunity to really splash down the stretch. Three of many that are going to finish very, very well. And they're all very different. Um, a couple or actually all three are under first year coaching staffs today. Of course, uh, they pull from different areas and they're in different areas of the country coveting different recruits. There is some overlap with a couple of them, but I'm looking at these first year staffs finishing and building this class of 2023, their first full class in a very big way with splashes at every point, but especially here at the end when it counts most. Really no way to, to kind of quantify the order of, of these teams, but only one of them is about to answer, we think, about to answer the biggest question we have had with that program all year long. Again, quick refresher course, right? At SI, we rank players subjectively. The SI 99 is on my hat right here for those of you watching on YouTube the SI 99 is what it sounds like. It's the top 99 recruits in America, regardless of position, right? Per class right now we're in the class of 2023. So when we, we cover the top recruiting classes and we evaluate and rank those, it is also subjective uh, at SI. So we rank and evaluate based off of star power. So a lot of that has to do with the SI 99 and, and filling needs is, is a, a big part of that. That's attached to that star power. And then kind of supplementary beyond that is how well are you putting together position groups, right? We've talked about it a lot here at the State of Recruiting and at College Football Nation. How well are you building groups of players that will eventually impact your roster? And volume has to do with it to a degree, right? You can't have five recruits and claim you're the best recruiting class in the country, even if all five of your players are the top five players in America, right? It's not that simple. There is some element of volume that has to play into this. If you want to be in that top Five conversation right now as a college football fan base your school probably needs to have at least uh, around 20 verbal commitments with the opportunity to add a few more here 
down the stretch based on who is available. So that's how we look at it at SI. And there's one program that opened up number one for us, but it has not been at number one since then that we have constantly asked one big question to, and it looks like they're on the verge of answering that question. Any guesses? Five, four, three, two, one. Of course, this is a recording and not live. So this is a hypothetical for those of you participating, but the answer is Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish have been without a quarterback recruit this entire cycle, right? It looked like Dante Moore for a very long time, even longer if you go through some private and or back channels with folks in South Bend. It didn't work out. He's obviously off the board as the number one player to the Oregon Ducks, who, by the way, is another program we're going to talk about today. And then Notre Dame uh, went after some guys that were committed elsewhere, right? Austin Novosad, the Baylor verbal commitment, uh, got some overtures. Kenny Minchie, the Pitt commitment, got some overtures. And it was it was kind of quiet. Brock Glenn, who's committed to Ohio State now, was, was in that conversation a little bit. It got really quiet between those three guys. Glenn was on board comfortably to OSU. Minchie had said basically nothing after committing to Pitt. And then Novosad was, was the most vocal, and he actually considered and visited Notre Dame before um, reaffirming that strength of, of his verbal commitment to the Baylor Bears. And then it was just all quiet, right? There were rumors of reclassifications for other recruits and and or Notre Dame moving on from the quarterback position altogether or, or other flips, other flip targets, late runs at some other guys. But then a couple days ago, Kenny Minchie smoke reemerges the quarterback out of the state of Tennessee and elite 11 finalist and SI 99 recruit for us uh, at sports illustrated. The smoke resurfaces with Kenny Minchie and there's talk of a visit came across my desk first that he might visit and then I think the next day he decommits from Pitt. So, okay, now all of a sudden it's game on. It is game on in South Bend for Kenny Minchie. And it looks like the Irish are in position to secure his verbal commitment, barring a catastrophic visit uh, communication scenario between Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese and, and the Kenny Minchie camp, something we do not foresee in the near future. So when you answer or potentially answer a huge question we had around your program at that position, no less, it's going to score and ring true, right? It's going to score big. It's going to help you move up, uh, Notre Dame fans. So assuming this goes according to plan, things are going to fall forward for Notre Dame. But here's the thing. I know SI is higher on Kenny Minchie than I think everybody else uh, at, the, at this stage of, of the recruiting game. I think others will continue to catch up as they evaluate a four-year high school starter who's incredibly accurate, poised with this mature demeanor and delivery that is college ready. I do think others will, will follow suit in that regard. It's one thing to answer that question, right? And, and kind of solidify positionally what Notre Dame wants to do in this recruiting cycle, right? Look, quarterback on the field at, at, at Notre Dame is questionable, right? Uh, Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, what does the future look like between those two and or others going forward? You need more competitors, right? CJ Carr's coming in 2024, but there was going to be a gap in 2023, unless they hit the portal, which is obviously something that we'll talk about eventually here on the state of recruiting. But now with a Kenny Minchie on board, you bring not only a polished and college ready prospect who's, who's had as much experience almost as you could possibly have 
at the high school level. Again, four-year starter uh, in the state of Tennessee. But you also bring variance to that quarterback room, assuming everyone stays put, which is, look, it's it's 2022. That That is unlikely at every school, you know, Notre Dame included. But playing doubles advocate, let's say everybody sticks around and you have variance from the skill sets of the types of quarterbacks that are going to be in your room, which is great. That's what you need. That's what you should covet at the position. Look, look at, again, go, go to the last few national champs, right? Uh, Georgia with that quarterback room led by Stetson Bennett at the moment, a lot of variants and different styles behind him. Alabama with Bryce Young, a lot of variants and different styles behind him with Milrow, Ty Simpson, and those guys. For Georgia, it's Carson Beck. It's Brock Vandegrift. It's very different skill sets. Scudder Stockton, then the guy that that's trotting out there every single Saturday. Um, LSU, same thing. After um, Joe Burrow went pro, uh, they uh, went through a bunch of different quarterbacks, Max Johnson, Miles Brennan, and now they've, they've portaled through Jaden Daniels, who all of a sudden is like, and I don't know if they if they do a portal player of the year, he's in the running, right? Has LSU in the top ten? Just beat Bama. Um, huge, huge deal for Brian Kelly and company to to bring the irony back to this this Notre Dame talk. So you want variance behind your guy, right? Um, and not only does Notre Dame not know who that guy is for 2023, but you need the variance behind it. And Minchie offers you more of that right out of the gate the moment he arrives in South Bend for good. Again, provided he does indeed pick the fighting Irish. Look, Minchie is is very reserved, very internalized type of recruit. Uh, so if he decommits and sets a visit in a very short period of time to a school, it is very likely he's going to end up at said school. I haven't heard mention of any other programs in the mix. Although when a kid decommits, that does kind of help schools reshuffle the deck to a degree and at least reaching out to see if they've got a puncher's chance for uh, an elite player like a Kenny Minchie. So really like what Notre Dame is going to do to answer that quarterback call that we've been asking about for 12 months at this point, because they've got a great class behind it. But here's the other thing about Notre Dame finishing strong. It's not just, Hey, they're finally going to get their quarterback. So they deserve mention on this, on this feature. No, no, no. Uh, Notre Dame is still hunting for skill position talent. And I think that's, that's so fitting for this time of year, right? Because so so if you're a college football fan, you're watching college football, maybe your team sucks, right? Maybe you're a fan of Texas A&M and you're like, man, I, just, I can't believe how bad the season's gone. So what do you do this time of year in particular? Holidays are coming around. You're not working in your day job as much. What do you do? You pivot. For those of you on YouTube, I'm pivoting my, uh, my desk chair here. You pivot to recruiting. And you look ahead to the future, right? Same thing in the NFL. When when things aren't great, when you're a Houston, Texas fan, what are you doing? You're refreshing those damn mock drafts every single week. Hey, is Bryce Young going to be our guy? Who's going to be our guy in, in Houston going forward? You look to the future. You look to the, the next crop of talent that is going to come to your university or in the NFL's case, your team to help turn this thing around because it's been awful to watch. Uh, so, it's the time of year where people pivot. And, and if there's Notre Dame fans that are casual on recruiting, when they pivot, what are they going to want to see? They're going to want a quarterback. They're going to want the usual expectations at Notre Dame, right? Heavy in the trenches, uh, in the secondary, all those things. Those boxes are already checked in this class. I think that's important for Marcus Freeman in, in his first full cycle. Yes. But 
perceptionally and optically. What else are you going to want as a Notre Dame fan? Skill, talent, as much as possible. Running backs, receivers, slots, return men, gadget players, anything to provide more juice beyond the conventional thought surrounding Notre Dame offensive football. Ground and pound, big, physical, downhill, great tight ends, all that stuff. What about the juice at receiver? What about the juice at the skill positions? That is what Notre Dame is still coveting beyond the Kenny Minchies of the world. And that is, again, in terms of idealistic finishes, that's up there, right? Khalil Barnes out of Georgia. Uh, he's a do-it-all athlete that they're after. Caleb Smith, a wide receiver from Texas, formerly committed to Texas Tech. Notre Dame was only his second offer. Took a visit right after that Texas Tech decommitment. They're in good position for him, uh, Brandon Hillman out of Virginia, plays quarterback in high school, will be more of an athlete at the next level. They're in the mix uh, for him as well. So Notre Dame is not only going to add Kenny Minchie, but they're potentially going to hit these skill position players, among others. By the way, there's a flip that's that's going to be had out there that's in the trenches. I'll leave it at that and let you listen to more Irish breakdown content at, at State of Recruiting for, for more juice there but you're going to hit on quarterback and skill position players simultaneously. So Notre Dame, absolutely one of the schools that we feel like is going to hit a home run here down the stretch of the 2023 cycle. Let's head out West to the Oregon Ducks, another program we feel like is going to finish incredibly well. First of all, when you talk about Oregon recruiting right now, you heard a couple episodes ago, for those of you uh, who subscribe to us, and thank you for doing so on, on Apple Podcast or YouTube or wherever you're getting this show, you heard us talk about Dante Moore, right, for basically an entire show uh, last week. We talk about recruiting wins and momentum as additions, right? And look, we we do this for a lot of reasons, and the easiest way to present how good a team is recruiting is with additions, right? It's very simple. We had this many commitments and now we have this many commitments. Here are the new guys. Here are what they can do, right? That is easy to sell tangible recruiting momentum. Hey, new players are picking our school. Here you go. Very simple. Yes. When you go a little bit deeper into recruiting though, especially because again, all these verbal commitments that we talk about, they're all non-binding until December 21st. It's the first day prospects can sign. I believe 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Those digital fax machines are going to start uh, ringing off the hook, if you will, for prospects across the country. We talk about additions. What about retention? What about maintaining verbal commitments that you know other schools want? We just talked about Notre Dame. The whole reason there's this entire quarterback question mark surrounding that program, at least up until now, has to do with Dante Moore picking Oregon, Texas A&M, same deal. Dante Moore picked Oregon over A&M. LSU for a long period of time, missing on Dante Moore, slowed their recruiting momentum because they didn't have that quarterback spot full or filled, I should say. Oregon did so when the number one player picked the Ducks, I believe, uh, that first week of July. And now other programs, mainly Michigan State, are trying to change his mind here at the 11th hour. So as much as we talk about addition as a, a tangible sign of recruiting momentum, and that's important retention for some of these schools, I think 
uh, Oregon with with Dante Moore, Jurion Dickey uh, in particular. That's going to be huge if you hold on to those guys. Texas, we talk about with some of their uh, top recruits. Cedric Baxter's flirting a whole lot with Florida State right now. Jonte uh, Cook visited Oregon, among others. Um, Alabama's trying to pull. Uh, recruits from Texas at this point, uh, most notably number two corner in the country, Malik Muhammad. Uh, if you hold on to those commits, Texas fans, that should be considered momentum, right? So retention, I think, is a really big part of finishing strong. Uh, and Notre Dame, for that matter, same kind of deal. Um, and if you do it with the number one player in the country, obviously it hits a little bit harder. So in that light, uh, Oregon should expect some momentum in trying to hold on to Dante Moore. Again, I believe right now, as I did last week, he is going to stick with those Oregon Ducks. But they're going to add some prospects along the way. And they've had some of the biggest surprise visitors in the country over the last two weekends. Two weekends ago, uh, David Hicks was uh, out of nowhere a confirmed visitor. Or two games ago, I should say, out of nowhere a confirmed visitor. The former Texas A&M, or excuse me, the current Texas A&M verbal commitment, uh, who's considering other schools, took an unofficial visit up to Eugene, and now there is growing confidence up there that they may be able to pull him away from Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. And then Saturday rolled around, and another big-time SI-99 confirmed official visitor, excuse me, confirmed unofficial visitor was on campus, Caden Proctor. The elite offensive tackle out of Iowa, number one player in that state who's been committed to the Hawkeyes for quite some time. Now he has visited the Oregon Ducks, and they look like a late player for Caden Proctor in a flip attempt. So Oregon here creating momentum with some guys committed to other schools at this point, uh, and some surprise visits have been lumped into that. Uh, Oregon has satisfied their offensive line class in a big way over the last month or so under Adrian Clem. They had zero commits like six weeks ago on the offensive line. Now they have four, a lot of variance with those four old linemen in terms of body uh, composition and uh, position projection. So that's good. You're going to get basically a true offensive line that you can develop in some cases and plug and play in other cases, but you're obviously not done. In that regard, you still need that banner left tackle prospect. And not only is Oregon going after some uncommitted stars like Samson Okanlola, who was flirting with a visit possibility in the near future, and Spencer Fano out of Utah, but even those committed elsewhere, like a Caden Proctor, the Iowa verbal commitment. So if you hit on one of those three, Oregon, and you wrap up that offensive line class, that is among the better O line classes in the country with a clear clear headliner within those position groups something we love to bump up at sports illustrated so oregon is going to finish strong here on the offensive line we think hard to think that they go over three but of course they're still in it for a bunch of other prospects and and that list has appeared uh, to be growing here in recent days and weeks including that list of prospects committed elsewhere, uh, which is very interesting, right? I know Dalen Austin is is a DB committed to LSU right now that Oregon is starting to pick up momentum for. There is talk of a December visit uh, up to Eugene, so that's a big deal uh, for the Ducks at this point. Uh, so they're going to add some more recruits there on the defensive side of the ball. Roderick Pleasant, uncommitted DB, has an OV scheduled uh, for the end of this month. So that could be big there 
for Oregon. Uh, and then, of course, the, the big fish they've been after the, this entire cycle, still very much out there. Mateo Uyangalele, who we mentioned earlier, maybe flirting with Georgia more than we thought going into this week. Oregon, USC, Ohio State, among those very high on his list. Uh, so Oregon's going to have an opportunity here to pick up uh, a lot of beef in the trenches, wrap up their O-line class, and maybe solidify their D-line class between Uyangalele and Hicks uh, in particular. And they're still in it for some other recruits uh, on top of that. But uh, that beef emphasis at Oregon, I think, is is really advantageous uh, at this point because that is really where we talk about, again, perception and recruiting. You know Oregon's going to have skill talent, right? I mean, it's just – it's just kind of a given, right? This receiver group led by Jerion Dickey is really strong. Obviously, Dante Moore at quarterback um, being brought in at this point. You've got Dante Dowdle committed at running back, which, again, if you talk about retention, holding off schools for him is going to be a big deal. You know the skill position talent will be there, but now the beef, the trenches, where Dan Lanning wants to focus and build inside and out with his SEC roots, that makes a whole heck of a lot more sense. So Caden Proctor, David Hicks, Samson Lola, Spencer Fano, all of, among those in the mix with the Oregon Ducks on uh, both sides of the football. So if they can hit on one of those OTs in particular, I do think it paves the way for a huge finish for Dan Landing in Eugene. But again, with them, retention for me is a very big part of highlighting the Oregon Ducks as one of these programs that will finish very, very strong leading into the early signing period. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And then the final program we'll talk about on this edition of State of Recruiting is another first-year coaching staff. By the way, amazing to talk about all these first-year staffs recruiting so well, right? We talk about the Oregon Ducks, Notre Dame under Dan Landing and Marcus Freeman in particular. How about Billy Napier and the Florida Gators? Again, first full recruiting cycle as you wrap up your first on-field product uh, as a head coach there at UF. Going pretty well for the Gators on the recruiting chair. I know we talked a ton about Jaden Rashada retaining him. Going back to that retention conversation will be a very big deal. Uh, the quarterback who flipped from Miami to Florida, and, and that's going to be its own show, right? The battles between Miami and Florida. Maybe for, for next week we'll do that down the stretch. The new staff down in Coral Gables under Mario Cristobal and this staff in Gainesville under Billy Napier, it's, it's a war. 
there's really no other word for it. It is a true strategic war where they're approaching it very differently, yet they're each just striking blow after blow against one another. Um, I think you know Miami's more brash about it. We hear about you know the NIL deals and and the commits are vocal and public about sticking to these verbal commitments if if they're not going to flip, et cetera. And then Florida's more quiet, secret visits. Uh, behind the scenes, like low confidence that doesn't squeak out from a sourcing perspective relative to some other schools. Different strategies for these two, but both going to finish with top 10 recruiting classes. And that's fascinating in uh, the same state where, look, on the field, it hasn't been great for either school, certainly better for Florida than Miami. But I'd say under expectations for both programs on the field, which reemphasizes how interesting it is that they're booming on the recruiting trail, but with a specific focus on Florida, the ceiling to fall forward down the stretch is a big deal. I think it started with the flip, right? We talked about it. Miami commitment, Jaden Machado flipping that pledge to the Florida Gators. He was on campus after that uh, big verbal commitment announcement, uh, which came after midnight Eastern uh, late in October. He was back in Gainesville for a trip to see the Gators in action. Uh, over the weekend. So I think that was uh, good posturing from Jaden Rashada. And it's going to help Florida here down the stretch, right? Now they have two quarterbacks on board, Marcus Stokes, the other, both of them very fundamental and, and loud recruiters for their programs. So that's a good spot to be in, in general, for the Florida Gators. But that was kind of the beginning. That was where, to me, the momentum has started. But there's a lot more prospects that could be on board. And we talked about surprise visitors at Oregon. There was a big one at Florida on Saturday as well. Mark Fletcher, the running back from American Heritage High School in Plantation, Florida, in South Florida. Big, physical, downhill running back. Very much the look and feel of an, of an SEC back. He visits Florida and decommits from Ohio State just a couple of days later. And this is another, again, we're going to build a whole darn show around it, I think. This is another Florida versus Miami recruiting battle here down the stretch because the week prior he was at Miami for, for its game. So he visits Miami, then Florida, and decommits from Ohio State. Uh, and I think the perception says he's going to likely stay in the state of Florida for his college ball. And look, those fan bases are totally down the middle with how they feel about Mark Fletcher, not in terms of as a prospect. He's a very good prospect. Miami has zero running back commitments. Florida has just one with Trey on Webb. They want to add another um, big physical back. Again, everybody likes him, but the feeling, the confidence, and I think it has to do with the war that's gone on between these two teams and the fact that these two teams are the apparent finalists for Mark Fletcher because of the back and forth and the letdowns and the surprises uh, in, in good and bad ways in this rivalry, there's like mitigating confidence with both of these programs and fan bases relative to Mark Fletcher. So I think both recognize that it's a Florida and Miami battle and some feel good and some don't on both sides of the coin. So I think that will be among uh, the more fascinating recruitments to watch here down the home stretch. So Mark Fletcher very much in in the conversation here for the Florida Gators. Uh, let, let's stick uh, within state lines here and look at some of these other prospects. Desmond Ricks is a huge Florida target at IMG Academy, kid at cornerback who reclassified from 2024 to 
2023, uh, right around the time that uh, Cormani McLean picked Miami over Florida to spin it back to that rivalry. Uh, and, and Florida was was trending to a degree for Cormani McLean going into that announcement. So Desmond Ricks reclassifies and it, it could fall into Florida's lap ahead of his decision on uh, what is now confirmed to be December 22nd, Florida, LSU, Alabama the final three in that conversation. So obviously not an easy battle for the Gators, but they've done better at IMG under Billy Napier. Proximity to home uh, favors the Gators in this race, right? Bradenton to Gainesville, just uh, what, two and a half hours or so up I-75. So you can hit that better than you can at Baton Rouge and Tuscaloosa. Of course, he's taking official visits down the stretch, could take multiple visits to both Florida and Alabama before it's all said and done. Just visited LSU recently, and there is some confidence in Baton Rouge that they, they might be able to sway a Desmond Rick. So that's an important battle for the Florida Gators. They're also involved to, to take it out of uh, the state of Florida. They're also involved with uh, the top two prospects available in the state of Alabama, James Smith and Quay Rousseau, the front seven defenders who have taken two trips to the swamp this year, one unofficially in July and then an official visit just a couple of weeks ago. They are a package deal. Florida is heavily involved in that race, as is Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn, among others. So you've got a puncher's chance in that regard as well. And then on the other side of the ball on offense, you just hosted the top offensive tackle in America. You know Florida's recruiting well when I bring that up like as the fourth or fifth name in this conversation. Samson Lola just took a multi-day unofficial visit to the Florida Gators. There has been some kind of behind-the-scenes talk here that Florida has really ramped up its efforts for Samson Okunlola. He has reciprocated that with a multi-day visit to Gainesville. It was a midweek trip. Uh, family was in tow, uh, so they were able to get that impression of Billy Napier's program as well. And now all of a sudden this feels different, right? Uh, Miami was the favorite at the end of the summer. And since that point, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, who we just talked about, uh, Penn State, all seemingly involved for Okanlola, who did confirm to us that he's going to sign in December. That is a very, very big deal because at one point it looked like he could potentially stretch that thing until February, the traditional signing period but now the number one offensive tackle in the si-99 has confirmed he's coming off the board in about a month so it is crunch time for him and florida is a school that's going to get one of his last visits but not the last visit right ohio state looks like it's positioning itself for an official visit uh the weekend of the game right ohio state michigan that's going to be a huge visitor list for the Buckeyes, and Okanola will be on it for an official visit. That will be the fourth that he's taken, only one remaining before all is said and done. So who will get that final official? Will it be Oregon? Will it be Penn State? Could it be Florida? Could he return to Gainesville and see uh, that, that campus one more time before all is said and done. That's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. So Samson Okanlola, we hadn't talked about the Gators with him for a very long time, but now we need to start including Florida in that conversation. They're very much uh, in the mix there. What else makes Florida one of the teams that we assume is going to finish 
on a very high note in recruiting in this class of, of 2023. There's still uncommitted targets on the O-line that they're going to go after beyond Oak and Lola. I think Caden Jones out of New Orleans is a Florida lean. Texas A&M is the primary competition there. So that'd be a nice pull for Billy Napier and company out of uh, New Orleans, where, of course, they have a lot of ties having coached at the University of Louisiana. They're still involved for Keon Keeley as well, the defensive end from uh, Berkeley Prep up in Tampa. Bama's probably the more realistic spot. Ohio State in the mix there, but Florida's still going to have a hat on the table and theoretically a puncher's chance in that race. But then there's the flip game, right? Florida just flipped Jaden Rashad, a huge deal. One of the biggest quarterback flips, probably the biggest quarterback flip we have seen in this recruiting cycle. Maybe there's some more along the way. We talked about Kenny Minchie from Pitt to Notre Dame. Eli Holstein went from Texas A&M to Alabama. Now Rashada from Miami to Florida. Um, Florida had flipped Marcus Stokes from Penn State earlier as well. So Florida has flipped a lot of recruits in this class, and it appears as if they're, they've got some flips left in them, right? We talked about Mark Fletcher after his decommitment from Ohio State. What about in-state recruits that that are going to flip potentially to the Florida Gators? They just hosted Lucas Simmons on the offensive line, big-time SI-99 offensive tackle out of Clearwater. He's committed to Florida State. The Gators have already flipped one Florida State offensive line commitment in Roderick Kearney, another SI-99 player. Now Simmons visited Gainesville over the weekend, and he'll see Florida play again in two weeks when the Gators travel to, to, to Tallahassee, not Tuscaloosa, when the Gators travel to Tallahassee to play that rivalry on Thanksgiving weekend. So those are the last two trips, according to Lucas Simmons. So Florida trying to flip him in that regard. And then UCF's got a player. Florida's trying to flip in John Walker, the big defensive tackle out of Kissimmee Osceola. The Gators already have one Osceola player committed in Jakeem Jackson, who other schools are trying to flip. By the way, it works both ways. I think that's a good uh, way to, to put a button on that. But John Walker, there is some momentum for the Florida Gators in that regard. And, and then Malik Bryant is, is kind of the, the most interesting of these, right? This is one of the top commitments to Miami. We talk about this war that's going on between these two programs, this back and forth between Napier and Cristobal, Cristobal and Napier on the recruiting trail. Each has flipped recruits from the other, um, but the, but it's kind of even right now, right? So whoever gets this last flip or two is, is going to win the in-state battle uh, that has brewed for a lot of these kids. And there's been a lot of momentum at different points for Florida with Malik Bryant, who's out of Orlando, Jones High School. He was at IMG before that point, linebacker, pass rusher, edge type of player, another SI-99 guy. There was momentum for Florida before uh, he made that uh, commitment to Miami. And then there was momentum for Florida again like last week where the thought was, we just flipped Jaden Rashada. Now we're coming after Malik Bryant. That was the thought in Gainesville, and it has prompted, along with that Rashada flip, a lot of these hurricane commitments to double down on their verbal commitment. A lot of them have come out with public statements, whether it's Francis Goa, the offensive lineman, Antonio Tripp, Bobby Washington, Robbie Washington, Nathaniel Joseph. Uh, they've come down and doubled down with this, I'm sticking to with the U, I'm a hurricane, blah, blah, blah. Well, now Malik Bryant wasn't a part of the first crop that that did that, but then he did it recently to sort of quell that rumored momentum the Florida Gators were picking up with him. And depending on who you talk to, 
uh, even though he put out that statement that that he'll be a hurricane, and he even referenced playing in the NFL, always saying, "Hey, I, I, I came through the U to get to the NFL." Even after that, there is a sense that depending on how much Florida is going to push here, uh, Malik Bryant could still potentially be in play. So there's a ton of flip targets uh, for the Florida Gators. Some are easier to see than others. Uh, Tyree Adams, the LSU offensive tackle commitment, just recently confirmed an official visit to Gainesville as well. So a lot of efforting here in the trenches for Billy Napier and company. So it appears as if they too will finish this class of 2023 on a very, very strong note. Uh, again, recruiting is is busy. It's fluid. A lot of these schools are going to add prospects, um, not just the three that we're talking about here, but these three in particular under first-year coaching staffs appear in prime position to jump in and splash, not only add, but splash on the recruiting trail. And that means satisfying big needs, big flips, and big announcements here ahead of that December 21st National Signing Day, first day of the early signing period as well. We'll have it all covered for you, all the buildup and the countdowns to National Signing Day right here at the State of Recruiting. And, of course, day-to-day for me at Sports Illustrated and SI.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. Garcia out.